Hello, hello, and welcome to the Continuity Report, Season 1, Episode 1, for January 7th, 2024. This show is all about movies and TV shows and uh, internet-based streams, streaming platforms, the content therein. I aggregate, or I should say, hometown.com aggregates a bunch of news and the AI, the sentient AI and I go through. Well, this show is weekly. So we go through it weekly. And that's really just adding a little bit of color to it. We go through it daily and we find interesting articles throughout the week for our daily show, hometown daily. And we aggregate the aggregation into today's show. The continuity report covers a week every Sunday, 7 PM is the desired start time, but sometimes hometown daily runs a little longer today. We're starting at about 7:30. that said, if you miss the show or you can't hang out beyond, you know, seven, seven 30 after hometown daily is over. You can always watch this as a VOD here on Twitch or go over to YouTube and uh, download or watch it, I should say, over there. Eventually, this will be turned into a podcast as well. Um, just search for the continuity report. Eventually, I'll announce when it's actually live. The same thing with Reality Hacker. Um, it, it'll be converted into a podcast um, in short order. At any rate, We've already selected all 10 of today's articles. You'll notice that they're aggregated from uh, one site in particular for most of it, because uh, we, we evaluate a lot of sites, but not all of them rise to the occasion in terms of appropriateness or context or their focus or a bunch of other um, psychographics. I, I, and I'm not really, we don't, we're not that critical of it, but, um, there isn't necessarily, uh, <laughs> we want information, not just opinion. We don't want noise. We want news. And so we add our own noise to it <laughs> in our own context. <laughs> That's right. If there's going to be noise, it's coming from us. <laughs> That's exactly what I hoped you'd say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if the news is going to fall in its face, <laughs> we're the that's one that's going to be all on us. <laughs> we're the one that's tripping it. Um, anyway, so we've already got, gathered up all 10 of the articles. I think that this is going to be a fun show, if not just for the news, but for the snark and the commentary. Um, yeah. You want to get into it? That sounds great. Okay. Just like reality hacker, I'm not going to do transitions. Maybe at the far end, I'm going to do the outro as uh, like we did last time. Um, it is an hometown show. It is powered by hometown.com. Um, but it doesn't have its intro bumper or outro specific to the continuity report yet, but I'm working on it. Um, that said, let's just go. Uh, the very first article is over again in the continuity report, like all of these articles. So I may actually just not mention that anymore because today is the continuity report. 
all of our news is aggregated from that unless it has some special consideration that we've drawn from the general uh, aggregation feed. So the follow-up to this $495.7 million box office hit is 2024's weirdest sequel movie, Twister. <laughs> did Twister? Not, did not see this coming. Made nearly half a billion dollars at the box office when it debuted in 1996. And its official follow-up, Twisters, which sounds like, I don't know, the follow-up to Hooters, might be the 2024 strangest sequel set to release. A movie about a team of storm chasers in the rural Midwest may sound like it remained relevant due to cult classic status, but that wasn't the case. The movie starring Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton was a hit from the start, earning over $495 million at the box office and becoming the year's second highest grossing movie of 1996, coming only behind Independence Day, which basically um, Will Smith slapped some aliens like he did Chris Rock. <laughs> Too soon. Uh, oh God, I just snorted on a... <laughs> Now I'm worried about the rest of the show. Twister even did better for the or than the first Mission Impossible, which I find yeah, that's surprising. Yeah, surprising, right? So Kara Hadesh uh, over at Screen Rant put the article together. We have cows because in the movie Twister, a cow floats by their vehicle in the tornado. Um. So yeah, Twisters is a sequel to Twister. It's set for release in 2024 and is one of the most anticipated movies of the year. So who's going to be in it? I don't know. The movie starring Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton was a hit. That's Twister. Arrival of Twisters comes 20... can't have the same people. Not as the leads. Uh, they're both alive. Well, I understand that, but they might be a different <laughs> generation now. It's one of uh, 2024's most anticipated movies. Follows a trend with a year packed with sequel installments. Great. Everything old is new again. The year will see new sequels to long-running franchises like Ghostbusters, Planet of the Apes, Bad Boys, Alien, Karate Kid. However, the 2024 uh, year is uh, a first-time sequels for popular original movies like Beetlejuice 2, Gladiator 2, and now Twister 2. No, nay, twisters, twisters. <laughs> like alien aliens. Soon it's going to be hurricane versus twister where they duke it out on the coast, maybe wipe out Florida or maybe bottom of Georgia. Anyway, however, uh, so what's going on here? What? Do you think that they're going to be back? You say nay. I don't think they'll be back in the leads. Maybe they'll be back like um, as ancillary characters or something. So before Twisters was announced, a remake of the original was considered. This is all from the article, by the way. I'm not, I'm just quoting little bits of the article. And 
The concept, which was co-created with David D David Diggs or David Diggs, um, was meant to focus on storm chasers from HBCU, but the studio had no interest. Instead, Twisters will feature a new cast with Daisy Edgar Jones, said to be playing the daughter of Hunt and Paxton's characters alongside the cast, Glenn Powell, Anthony Ramos, Kiernan Shipka, and David Coruscant. Coruscant, sorry, Coruscant. I went straight to Star Wars. Um, David Coruscant. Coruscant. Corin Sweat. Jeez. Mayor Watt. Is your head broken? Hey, let me throw this into the chat real quick. If you're hanging out. They got all twisted up. Yeah, I got all twisted twisters up in the game. Um, so while there's still a loyal fandom when it comes to the 1996 twisters and what it did for the storm chasing and meteor meteorology, meteor meteorological community, meteorology communities. Sorry, I'm making my own twist on this. It's difficult to predict whether Twisters will find the same success. I, yeah, I just don't know. I don't know what preceded Twister to make it so fun. Right? I don't People, know if anything did. Like, was that the first movie of that type? Probably. Huh. Like, there wasn't a big event or anything like that around 96? Was there a big, like... Um, Hurricane like Alley kind tornado? of thing, or, or Tornado Alley. I'm not sure. I can look, but it'll take me too long to find th it. This is definitely ensconced in the breadbasket of the United States. It's not a hurricane. It's tornadoes. Um, so uh, Hunt me very well cameo as Joe, despite any announcements, especially if Twisters is centered on the character's daughter. Still... Twister sequel might be without Paxton, who passed away. Oh, yeah, Paxton passed away in 2017. Oh. So I guess that is, well, AI is pretty powerful. Um, anyway, Powell clarified that Twister 2 is more of a standalone story, reiterating the notion that Twisters won't be much of a legacy sequel. Okay, cool. So interestingly, there was a very long tornado um season or? outbreak in 1995 oh. nearly 300 tornadoes interesting yeah that'll be interesting um yeah i'll end up watching this but i have no uh, alignment or desire to do to watch a, a twisters movie but um i'll watch it particularly for the continuity report because this is a a longitudinal study between did they keep stuff and make callbacks from the original twister into the into twisters oh yeah maybe we can do like a double feature there you go like a a a, a, a double twist kind of a thing right <laughs> okay um let's go on to the next article uh, this next article is over in the continuity report as well. 12 best modern sitcoms, sitcoms, sitcoms that <laughs> redefine the genre. Hey, look, if you're not here for the audible flubs, I don't know why you're here. They redefined it so much. They're called some. They're called sitcoms. Yep. Sitcoms have been undergoing significant change in the past few years. Thanks to some shows that push the limits of the format. Traditional sitcoms tend to revolve around one of three things. 
There are workplace sitcoms, family sitcoms, and friendship sitcoms. Each of these subgenres have been experimented with and subverted in recent years, and this has produced shows which are both hilarious and unprecedented. I guarantee you, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is in this. I'm guessing Shit's Creek is on here. Um, and The Office. Okay, so let's see if our predictions hold true. So Ben uh, Prothero. Um, wow, that is that last name is is um, Shakespearean in nature. Uh, it, exactly. It doesn't really sound like a modern name. Wow, that's pretty cool. Um, anyway, so the uh, deck statement says some of the best sitcoms in recent years are helping tear up the rule book and their revolutionary approaches are good news for comedy fans. I agree. Shows like Modern Family, Ted Lasso, The Good Place have pushed the boundaries and brought diversity and new storytelling techniques to the sitcom genre. Sitcoms like Auntie Donna's uh, Coffee Cafe and What We Do in the Shadows showcase absurdity and genre parody while still delivering side-splitting humor. I've tried to get into what we do in the shadows and I can't, I have never seen Auntie Donna's coffee cafe. I haven't even heard of that. These, uh, have to be UK. Um, I mean, they are, they, they have to be both, uh, have to be UK. Um, so let's see, let's see what's going on here. Um, there are, they talk about workplace and uh, family and friendship sitcoms, modern family is number 12, the classic family sitcom updated for the 21st century. Um, I think that the show was fun, but never really stayed with it. Um, and it's kind of, I think what's going to end up happening is we're going to end up going back and binge watching all of this because, um, arrested development just kind of, Oh, right. That should be on here. uh, Right. That should. Yeah. Um, it, it basically upended my belief, you know, that some of these shows that I would watch, I, I didn't have an affinity for, but then years later I end up watching it and I'm like, my God, I actually love this show. But I, when I was younger, I wouldn't have gotten it. You know, I just didn't care about the context of that show. Now I think it's hilarious. Um, but modern family, I watched a few episodes when it was just kicking off, but I didn't stay into it. Um, so family sitcoms are nothing new. They've become uh, most prevalent types of sitcoms since shows like the Brady Bunch first gained popularity. The show uh, presents a more diverse definition of family life with divorce, same-sex marriage, adoption, and other things that break genre conventions. This is, for lack of a better term, it is the modern family and a, a different nuclear dynamic. It's not the same thing anymore. Um <clears throat> mainly because we're moving away from the sociopathic upbringing there was in the sixties, um, and earlier fifties, forties, um, post, uh, depression era, uh, child rearing was actually through the, through, um, researchers and, and, um, academics that were researching child rearing and, and, um, the psychology of children and the parent child dynamic 
it detached humanity. And so people weren't getting hugs. They weren't being told, I love you. They weren't given options. They were basically told, this is what you're going to go do. Um, and we've broken out of that dynamic primarily because of upbringing and opportunity. Now, not everybody benefits from that new, this new dynamic. Um, but that is what has changed between the generations prior to me and generations that have come since me. Um, and frankly, I think that the world is better for it. If everybody would just get along, but Hey, you know, that's probably the most idiotic statement that I'll ever make. Um, in terms of some people's perception of my statements, I think it's the most humane and humanistic thing to say, which is why can't we all just get along? Um, don't worry. I'm not so naive that I think a hug is going to solve all of the problems, but for crying out loud, I think a lot of people out there on the planet need some damn hugs. So then number 11 is detectorists, a friendship sitcom about middle-aged hobbyists, metal detectorists. Oh, okay. I haven't heard of that one. Um, I've never seen this. Two middle-aged friends meet up to use their metal detectors in a field in England. So this has to be a UK um, show. And frankly, I love British TV. I really do. Um, the the humor and the, the, the only issue that I have is idiomatic uh, humor. I just, I don't get it because I don't have the context. And so I would have to do some due diligence, rewatch the show and then go, oh, oh, oh that's funny because so Lance and Andy find solace in the romantic past, in the romantic past, if only to ignore the divorce and financial troubles of their present. So, um, yeah, I kind of get that. Ted Lasso, this was huge. Um, I, I don't know if it actually is over yet. A goofy antidote to modern cynicism. Um, Looks like it went to 2023. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it just wasn't renewed. Um, Ted Lasso deconstructs testosterone-fueled locker room culture and proposes an alternative vision of a world where everyone is a little more thoughtful. I think that's great. I don't know. I've never watched a single episode of this, um, but we'll have to give it a, a, a look-see for the continuity report. Uh, the Good Place ran from 2016 to 2020. I loved every episode of this show. Um, a relatable sitcom about the complex machinations of the universe. Um, it, it was a humorous um, lost. So oh, where interesting. I wouldn't have connected it with that because they all were doing something, but you didn't know what the actual rationale was. It pivoted halfway through. I think there was a smoke monster somewhere in this as well. Um, actually the, the equivalent of the smoke monster was the Android that would just pop up out of nowhere. The robot, the, 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 I can't remember her name. Um, yeah, I don't either. And then they kept on resetting her and she would evolve, evolve, evolve. And anyway, you have to go and watch the good place. It was a lot of fun because the good place isn't really what you think it is. Janet. Janet. Yeah. Janet was a computer. Um, so across its four seasons, she and other characters, Eleanor, um, she and other characters change dramatically. Sitcoms are so often predicated 
on the idea that everything stays the same for the next week's episode, but the good place uses a serialized drama format for hilariously goofy comedy. I don't know about that. Everything stays the same. I don't think that really happens in sitcoms. Does it? I mean, they always evolve a little bit. There's always. There's evolution, but then like the backdrop is always the same. Well, you know, like if they're always meeting in the same location or. Right. I don't know. Things like that. I'm thinking of the Big Bang Theory where they had the meal time in every episode. All the time. Yeah. Uh, Parks and Recreation ran from 2009 to 2015. Never watched any of it. Um, uh, and then I started hearing about struggles and stuff like that. But they mentioned Schitt's Creek in this. Uh, Parks and Recreation is part of the industry-wide shift towards small-town sitcoms along with shows like The Office and Schitt's Creek. The show also uses a similar uh, mockumentary format to The Office. Um, Auntie Donna's coffee cafe uh just the name alone is making me want to watch this python-esque australian absurdity so uh, it's australian so i'm gonna love everything about this um australian sketch comedy troupe auntie donna expanded their international reach with their netflix show auntie donna's big old house of fun but their next tv project refines their chaotic style so auntie donna's coffee cafe all about a trendy melbourne coffee uh, cafe, sorry, not coffee, but cafe. I would buy that. Auntie Donna's uh, coffee from uh, Australia. Hmm. I wonder. Think it'll have a little bit of bite and try and kill me? Absolutely. Uh, Bojack Horseman. dangerous coffee ever. Oops. Sorry to step on you like that. Uh, number six is Bojack uh, Horseman. A journey into the depths of human, equine, and trauma. Never watched a single episode of this. I don't know if I can muster the strength um, as much as I like anime, cartoon, um, TV shows. I don't know. Um, it might be a little. I, I'll have to take a look at it. You know, um, let's see here. It says as the show progresses, it focuses less on what celebrities would call, be called if they were animals and more on the complex tangle of trauma and unreachable corners of the protagonist's soul. Yeah, I want a sitcom because it's a situation comedy. I don't want to kind of troll through drag down <laughs> trauma. Yeah, community. Let me speed up a little bit about this. They talk about ghosts, which actually has come and gone. Uh, I've to me, it's come and gone. I don't know if it's going to get renewed or if it's been canceled, but um, I started watching this. I thought it was interesting in concept, but then I just it just faded away from my uh, radar. Ghost is a wry lampooning of British cultural pride and innate human foibles. But as the show progresses, it adds some depth to the wackiness uh, of the inhabitants of Button House. So they have like nearly headless Nick here. Um, and what looks like a Cub Scout troop, uh, whatever. What do they call them? Leader. Leader. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there were some riffs off of the historical stuff, like people, two people that were um, in two different eras of conflict um, would like riff off of each other and stuff. I, I thought it was kind of entertaining, the couple of episodes. 
because there are living people within this establishment. It's like an, a bed and breakfast or something like that, if I remember right. An English manor. So anyway, let's keep on going. Then there's Veep. Uh, what we do in the shadow is this, um, as far as I understand it, it's a remaking of something. It's a, it's, so here it says there aren't many TV adaptations of popular movies which achieve the same level of success as the original, but what we do in the shadows may have even surpassed Taika Waititi's uh, movie. Despite it involving none of the same characters and being set in a different continent, what we do in the shadows retains some of the side-splitting humor. If you've never... Have you ever seen what we do in the shadows? No. Okay, we'll have to watch it. Um, I own it, so... Um, and then Fleabag, which I've only heard of, uh, I've heard like amazing things about it, um, but I couldn't get past the name alone. Um, confident and stylish and hinged on one unforgettable protagonist. Fleabag massively shook up British sitcoms. There was some, uh, there have been many imitators, but none of them yet managed to recreate Phoebe Waller-Bridge's idiosyncrat idiosyncratic pithy dialogue the show's constant fourth wall breaking uh takes a meta twi twist in the second season uh, but i have been told uh nothing but good things about fleabag um it says fleabag only aired two seasons enough to be binged in a single day but its impact oh, will wow. last for years <laughs> see that's a change from uh tv in the past right where there were multiple episodes yeah, so back when Big Bang Theory ended, which isn't that far back, I think their last episode was 2017, right? 2019, I think. 2019. Oh, I'll have to look again. Wow. So it wasn't that long ago that a sitcom had 24 episodes. <laughs> and now there's eight. It forces creativity and diversity. But what I want is immersion. I want to, I want to swim around in the umami that is the 24 episode seasons. Um, and I just won't get it. Now I get nothing more than an appetizer each season, a little bit of edamame instead of a whole lot of umami. It is what it is. I'll cope. And I'll cope by moving on to the next article and watching a whole bunch of shows. Uh, the next article is over in the continuity report. I cannot wait for this to happen. If it does happen, oh my God, I'm going to be in love. Naked Gun Reboot gets confident update from Seth MacFarlane after two years of development. Um, uh, what is this sci-fi thing? Um, the um, Oh, the Orville. The Orville. Um, it went over to Hulu as far as I know, and then I don't know where it ended up. And I, I stopped following it because I really don't like Hulu. I'm going to have to end up watching Hulu because of something else we're going to talk about, but yes. Whatever. So maybe you can catch up on the Orville while you're over there. Yeah. If it's still there, I don't remember if it's still there. Well, two years after having, uh, passed since he first joined the project, Seth MacFarlane has a promising update for the naked gun reboot. Yes. Leslie Nelson, uh, no, sorry, Leslie Nielsen had, has passed away 
Um, but I've always loved the slapstick officer of Naked Gun. Um, acting as a spinoff of the spoof comedy The Police Squad, Leslie Nielsen led comedies revolved around a hapless detective investigating a series of major crimes in Los Angeles. Police Squad was hilarious. Um, Naked Gun was uh, movies, as far as I know, nothing else. Um, years uh, after years of attempts to produce a fourth movie, the Naked Gun reboot, which I hope isn't G U N N. Uh, I think was that's it, a typo. Um, was announced uh, in the works in 2013. <laughs> Initially with Ed Helm starring. Though after nearly a decade of development, hell McFarlane came on board to produce the Liam Neeson starring. Are you kidding me? And the Lonely Islands Akiva. Oh my God. Really? So Grant Herman's over at Screen Rant put the article together. Akiva Schaefer's background in satire and comedy, including a success in reviving old properties, suggests that the new Naked Gun will likely stack up well against its predecessors. I don't want just a movie. <laughs> I want police squad. I want a series long running. Um, Frank Drebin was amazing. Um, well, maybe if this is a hit, they'll reboot police squad or a TV show of the naked gun. Yeah, I hope so. McFarlane's collaboration with Liam Neeson in past projects showcases the actor's strength and comedy, adding weight to his casting as Drebin jr. In the reboot, Liam Neeson. As Drebin Jr.? How old is Liam Neeson? I thought oh. McFarlane was going to be Drebin Jr. Well, wait, McFarlane's collaborate Is McFarlane going to be the Drebin? I, it's Liam not Neeson? written very clearly. I don't know. Okay, so we're going to have to pull this up and actually... Seth MacFarlane has a promising update for the Naked Gun reboot. I thought he's the writer. He came on board to produce with Liam Neeson starring. Uh, well, MacFarlane produces and acts in the Orville, for example. Right. So that's right. why I thought that might be possible. Yeah. So despite much radio silence in the year Schaefer was hired, the producer confirmed that the movie is not only still very much alive, but that it's very that he's very excited about the latest draft of the script for the movie. Check out what McFarlane shared below, and then there's some information. It's being worked on as we speak. Akiva Schaefer, who's written the draft with his team, has done a hell of a job, and it's in development. So it's still very much alive. Yes. So, um, however, one of the more notable examples is that of the Orville, which began partly as a spoof of Star Trek, but before evolving into a more sincere sci-fi adventure show exploring trenchant themes. Um, it actually ended like the season that I last saw was the robot takeover. Um, so yeah, this will be interesting. A million ways to die in the West was panned. People really, well, some people loved it. Other people really hated it. Multiple cameos. Oh, and you're and, right. Liam Neeson will be in the role of Drebin jr. Gotcha. How old is Liam Neeson? Does it say in there? I mean, it, oh, no. I don't know, but I don't think he's really young. What's going on here? Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so this just He's locked 71. This just locked me out. So I'm going to go on to the next article. Um, there's like a big ad, but I, I'm not going to log in while we're streaming. So let's go on. 
Um, this next article is uh, all of Reacher 7 rules in the Amazon TV show explained. Uh, we've actually talked about this in a previous episode. Um, Kate Bove. Of Omtown Daily, not a continuity report. Yeah, this is the inaugural episode of, um, of uh, the continuity report. So, of course, we haven't talked about this. So let's talk about the seven rules of um, all seven of Reacher's rules in the Amazon TV show explained. Kate Bove is the author. Um, if it pops up that pop up again, um, then I'll just have to. We'll figure something out. But anyway, so if you've never seen Reacher, it's in season two. Season three is already set to That's to right. start. And that um, one will be in like late 2025 or early 2026. So it's going to be a now's a good time to catch up on one and two. Yeah, now's a really good time. Um so uh who's the author of the series lee right but what's his first name Lee child lee child oh, last that's name that's his is, first name yeah lee lee child is the author and um, the two seasons that exist right now are from two different books spaced very far apart so i hope that this doesn't come across like a like a firefly and they show everything out of order and it doesn't make any sense because there's no continuity between one book in the next right so in jokes that exist in season two don't exist in season or in book two because this is book whatever they're actually eight books apart from each other um in the stack of reacher books which is now like 31 <laughs> there's a lot of reacher content here uh this is spectacular too so i they better move quick because I really dig this character being driven by this particular actor. I think it's Alan Richson. Yeah. So they say assumptions kill. This has been a, a, a statement that has been said again and again and again. Um, and it always bounces off of each other. Like uh, Reacher will sit there and say something and then uh, somebody else will say, well, assumptions kill. And, um, so this is one of the rules totally get it right this is the because this is about reacher's rules so assumptions kill and this is one that had been stated several times they talk about um doing an investigation in the history of the team um they actually form a, a team to do special investigations they're referred to as special investigators nobody messes with the special investigators right um and then and that's kind of a foreshadowing for this list. Uh, then number six is in an investigation, details matter. And so the reason why they found out about something happening while they were special investigators was because somebody was looking at the weights of material that was being flown around the world and something wasn't right. And it was off by a small amount in terms of weight in the grand total of things. But when you look at it how did this weight disappear between here and here something was up they investigated it, it turns into something so in an investigation details matter yep i agree uh the first shot better be your best shot this actually comes about when reacher and the team first meet and one of the special investigators is this uh elderly guy or older gentleman but he's the best shot in, out of all of them but people were talking smack um and reacher sets the record straight um 
And his, uh, the, I believe the whole quote is your first shot better be your best shot. And that's why I have that guy. Um, and I can't remember his name, but I don't either. There's also the other character that claims to be a great shot, but apparently he had like a lucky shot, but it was (laughs) well-timed. Yeah, it was really well-timed. So number four is leave me and my friends alone. I leave you alone. This is actually not, he actually calls it a rule, but the only time it's ever uttered is in that bar. So. I mean, they utilize it, but they don't say it often. Right. Essentially, this is like a standing rule that will only be uttered if somebody starts talking shit. Um, No possessions other than a toothbrush. That is a rule. It makes it light for him to relocate. In one of the scenes, he goes, uh, one of his uh, compatriots says, have you unpacked? And he takes his toothbrush out of his uh, jacket pocket and sets it on the counter. Yep. And then they go out. Sleep when you can. Um, that popped up in uh, season two as well. And uh, I can't remember the context of it. So I, he says uh, while he spends a lot of time on Greyhound buses and park benches, the former MP officer, uh, military police officer, um, also ends up in plenty of less than comfortable situations. Um, yeah, I don't. An action hero running on empty would be lucky to get a shot off at all is something that he says in this. Um, I can't remember the something where they were in a scene where there was about to be some action, like in the next 10 minutes, but like he leaned back to take a nap in the car. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what it was. That's a bummer that they don't actually say this, you know, that they don't describe where it was. Right. It doesn't say it. Right. No, it doesn't. This one just talks about it generally, but doesn't have a good example. Yeah. And so number one is Jack Reacher's rules book by Lee child explained. There actually is a book out there, 152 page tome written by the, uh, from the perspective of Reacher called Jack Reacher's rules. It's penned by Lee child. It's from 2012. If you find a copy of it, a legit copy, I would like it. Um, and, uh, it looks like it would be a blast when in doubt, drink coffee, never volunteer for anything. This is something that I learned when I was on a dive boat. Um, like I, at the time I would have qualified as a dive master. Um, and, uh, so I was actually working on getting my dive master certification. And I was told by a dive master, if they ask if anybody is a dive master, you say no. That way the boat's dive master is the one that's in charge and they can't pawn it off on anybody and there's nobody else that has liability. Um, I thought that was really hilarious and I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so needless to say, I end up being buddied up with somebody that has, I had little experience and really compared to the other people that were on the boat, except for a few other people. And I get paired up with somebody that basically loses their mind when they got tangled in seaweed. Um, whatever. So I ended up basically being (laughs) the responsible party on the dive. Um, so never volunteer for anything. Show what, uh, show them what they're messing with. That's right. When you first go to the preschool, uh, as a, a, a toddler, you 
aim straight for the biggest one and you just take them out to dom show your dominance you show them what they're messing with and uh, people mess with me at their own risk and you know why it's because he doesn't hit soft that's it he doesn't hit well, soft. that's right he did tell us that but he also well no one of his team members said something like why'd you hit him so hard helping not hitting oh right yeah oh yeah that's right hands are for helping not hitting and <laughs> reacher is basically the size of the building that they're sitting in for crying out loud anyway i want this book lee child um penned a book called um Jack Reacher's Rules, a 152-page tome written from the perspective of Reacher. Okay, so um, let me throw that into the... I didn't throw that into the chat. Did I throw... We're in number four. I didn't throw any of those. Jeepers. Here's number three. Here's number four. We're going to go on to number five. Um, let's see, eight movies we're worried about at the box office in 2024. 2024 is uh, shaping up to be another big year for the global box office with uh, great new releases, but here's some that could be in danger of flopping. Again, this is over at Screen Rant. Ben Gibbons is the author. Um, I urge you to go over to all of these. I, we post the little snippet and we kind of talk about this thing from our perspective, but there's always minutia in this that you can only glean from going over and reading this. So I hope that we tease you enough to draw you into going over to these links um, and you don't just rely on us. Um, because, hey, we might miss something and we invite you to come back and you know show us where we're wrong. Um, with moviegoers clearly willing to venture out to the cinema for the latest releases, the total box office figures once again are climbing, but despite a varied release of new movies coming in 2024, some movies may fail to hit their targets. So let's take a look. Argyle. Um, Argyle starring Henry uh, Cavill as the international super spy with a d distinct haircut and Bryce Dallas Howard as the writer with the mysterious ability to write real life events is releasing in February. I've seen the trailer for this. I love the idea of it. They basically think that she's prescient and they're either trying to take her out or to save her so that she can write whatever is going to happen in the future. It the looks movie, like a lot of fun. I think so too. Um, but for whatever reason, I cannot get over Henry Cavill. The energy that he gives off makes me queasy and i don't know if it's just me um but i'm calling it now at some point um i i don't even want to say it you know he's a hero to everybody right now because of his demeanor about warhammer 40k um and that he's the witcher and now he's going to be this argyle which i think is actually the cat or something anyway well, he's also up for um like the next James Bond, but I don't think he's going to get it. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to stay out of all of that, but at least for now, when we start talking about that kind of stuff, we'll, we'll end up talking about it. But the movie is an original IP with, uh, with more moviegoers opting to see established franchises. Argyle needs to do more to attract an audience. And that's kind of the thing. It needs to be some serious writing seriously good writing and i actually liked 
uh, the trailer that I saw. So definitely go over to the link um, and, you know, did I throw it in there? No, I didn't. God, God, matter what, you're such a dumbass. So yeah, go over and watch it. It's in the show notes. It's in the VOD. It'll be in the show notes. Lisa Frankenstein is something that I actually want to see as well. Um, coming out just before Valentine's day. Although the movie is being marketed as a horror rom-com, it could struggle to find the right audience. I do agree. Um, because it looks like it's Madonna as uh, Lisa Frankenstein. And, um, like, you know, maybe a mix between Madonna and, um, what's her name? Girls just want to have fun. Yeah. Cindy Lauper. Cindy Lauper. <laughs> That's what I was going to yeah. say before he said that. So, uh, the movie would certainly fit with the new October release with other Halloween seized movies, but whether, uh, stars, Catherine Newton and Cole Sprouse could draw the audience to see, uh, the self-proclaimed coming of rage story because she basically builds a, a, a boyfriend. Um, reimagining of the classic Frankenstein story. Then there's Madam Webb. That's coming in February. It's going to be a busy, busy year. So February uh, already appears to be a dense month for potentially large releases. Madam Webb, by the way, is all about a person who seemingly has the ability to um, connect a whole bunch of people together. Um, but there's some incident that's going to take place and I don't recall all of the trailer. So I'm going to have to watch the trailer again and we'll end up talking about it. I'm sure. Um, cause it doesn't really say anything in it, right? It just says it appears that they're hoping for Madam Webb to finally change that the film will finally see the introduction of actual spider powered characters and introduce a younger version of uncle Ben. Um, but there's something else that's going on with this. It's not just the spider man universe stuff. There's something else in this. She gathers a whole bunch of people together. Um, if I'm remembering this trailer, right? So, um, then number five in this list is, uh, Ghostbusters frozen empire. This is probably the most difficult one for me in terms of the Ghostbuster franchise, because basically a deep freeze attacks New York and it's so, um, how do I describe I just it? just don't it, see the connection of that to the original franchise in any way. Um, and, and like the other movies, there was some undercurrent of metaphysical woo woo out there but this is everything starts to freeze. It's so overt and in your face. I just, I have a hard time really buying into it. I'm not immersed. Afterlife Amer uh, managed to earn a respectable $200 million on a budget of $75 million via the numbers. We should probably add that to our aggregator. Uh, but to keep the franchise going, Frozen Empire needs to earn even more. Considering the fact that the movie is releasing on the same day as a family-friendly Kung Fu Panda 4 and the potentially more intriguing um, older audiences Mickey 17 starring Robert Pattison and the and directed by uh, Bong Joon-ho, Frozen Empire could struggle. I think it's really going to struggle because it's there isn't any mystery. This thing starts happening. Everybody starts freezing and they start investigating and trying to solve the problem. 
but it isn't like this mysterious undercurrent. Even in Afterlife, there was something that was oozing through the land side, you know? The, uh, exactly. There was a mystery. I just don't feel this. Um, Kingdom of the Planet of, of the Apes. I won't even get into this, but it's basically another evolutionary step. Har har. Um, that's my words, not theirs. In the kingdom, uh, in the uh, cinematic universe of the Planet of the Apes, um, and there isn't really much more to it. Uh, again, it's just one more step in the Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. And if you buy into it, then you buy into it. But um, I don't know. This is like the long tail of a franchise that's been around for such a long time that I don't know how well it's going to do. Um, in addition to the last entry, War for the Planet of the Apes saw a marked decrease in earnings from the previous one, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. The movie will also move beyond Caesar, the central protagonist, which is the one... It, it's the uh, um, ape that evolved first. Caesar was the first one that started teaching the others um, how to... Uh, communicate and how to empower themselves they were just more you know animal but then caesar started teaching them um, sign language and then speaking eventually um, not to mention tools and how to stand up for themselves and pick locks and stuff like that so the movie will move beyond caesar um, which may cause another drop in the viewers yeah because there's no person to identify with there's there no creature to identify with um alien romulus this is just getting further and further afield from the uh, Alien franchise itself. Maybe it'll come back. I don't know. Alien Covenant was kind of meh and, and really obscure. Um, but it had now Alien Romulus has new cast, new director, takes the franchise in a new direction, which may be enough for viewers to reignite the spark of intrigue. But it's so convoluted now, like Alien versus... Uh, predator and all of that kind of stuff i'm like man whatever um alien and and the second one aliens just kind of freaked me the hell out and it was a, a blast to watch um everything since then has just been kind of meh you know for crying out loud these big old ships rolling on their side like a hula hoop chasing after a human being was probably the goofiest thing in um, Covenant that I've ever seen. Um, then Craven the Hunter. Um, I don't know how this is going to be received. Um, back to the SSU. Craven the Hunter is usually is uh, finally being released in August 2024 after being uh, hinted at and rumored over the many years. Uh, the movie will star Aaron Taylor Johnson as the titular Craven and will explore his mission to become the greatest hunter in the world. And the movie has a lot of promise. Uh, but as with Venom, let there be carnage and Morbius, the SSU, um, has yet to take off. So um, I guess we'll see what this actually um, ends up doing. Um, How does it connect to Spider-Man? Um, I, they're all written into that same sphere. So it, it's the, that's what the SSU is. Spider-Man. Um, I had to look Sony's, it up. I didn't know what that was. Sony 
Spider-Man, Spider-Man universe. universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know. I don't know how they're like, I'm not much into comics so much as I'm into the, the movies and the world building within that the cinematic universe doesn't necessarily follow uh, precisely the comic universe. You have to get really close, but if all you do is follow the comics, then people really aren't all that interested because I can go read the comics. Uh, but it does draw people in. Um, but I don't know how they're all tied together. Um, I, I'm sure in the comics, Craven decides to go hunt um, Spider-Man. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, the movie released a three-minute trailer. This delay alone could cost the film dearly in marketing expenses. It was pushed back. And then Venom 3, which is nothing more than one more Venom. Uh, Venom is kind of an anti-hero, a symbiotic. um, What do you want to call it? It's a symbiotic entity that attaches to anybody enhances their abilities um, but it's a sentient sense um, symbiotic creature um in and um again it's basically uh, an anti-hero it does really bad stuff but ends up for good purposes you know at the end of the day um and it's the final entry in the venom trilogy putting the, the series to an end it's just I don't know. The first film in the series was released in 2018 and managed to earn an impressive $856 million against a $116 million budget. I'm sure most of that money was in computing, you know, the, the um, special effects. So pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I would rather this all be under MCU and, and not balkanized you know, some world building within Sony's vision um, with an attempt to make money versus the Marvel Cinematic Universe under Disney with one uh, comprehensive, cogent world building exercise, arguably. I don't know. Um, let's keep Seems on going. Seems like though. the fans would like that better. Yeah, you would think, but a lot of people just don't like Disney either. So they um okay so let's keep on going the continuity report eight john wick replacement movies that are currently in the works i'm gonna run through these pretty darn quick um let's do this don't so this is over at screen rant as well micah bailey uh, with john wick chapter five in development the stage is perfectly set for other interesting action movie franchises to fill the void in the meantime um i've seen I can almost guarantee that I've already heard of all of these, um, but I'm just going to hurry up and get through this. Uh, Den of Thieves 2, Pantera, Christian uh, uh sequel to his 2018 thriller, Den of Thieves, is slated for release sometime in 2024. Um, did I throw this into? Yeah. So these are all movies that are supposed to take the place of John Wick's um, well, your interest in John Wick, cause it's going to end. John Wick is going to end. Um, then there's the beekeeper, 
David Ayers, the beekeeper, sees Jason Statham on the uh, quest for revenge against a corrupt corporation. Um, I actually, there was a trailer for this, if I recall correctly. I thought I'd seen it. Um, oh, no, no, no. I'm conflating it with another one. So Statham's uh, upcoming The Beekeeper sees the action star as Mr. Clay, a highly skilled individual, formerly of the secret organization known as the Beekeepers, as he embarks on a one-man quest for vengeance against an evil corporation. Sounds good to me. Um, then uh, what seems to be the reboot of The Fall Guy, David Leach's uh, action movie sees Ryan Gosling as an uh, in an action-packed adventure to find a missing A-list actor. The Fall Guy sees Ryan Gosling as a retired stuntman uh, named Colt Seavers who pulled back into the world of Hollywood after an A-list star goes missing from a blockbuster movie that his ex-girlfriend is directing. This is kind of... What was that movie where the writer and the guy goes out into... Uh, what's the what's the movie where she's a cop but she has to dress up like um like a debutante kind of a thing and where she kind of fum she, <laughs> what is yeah, that called it's, um well it has sander bullock yeah what is that movie the one where she uh ends up like working with a um uh, miss congeniality like a, yeah, so that's Miss Congeniality, but she was in a, another movie where she ends up on a desert island um, because of her writing or something like that. And that's kind of how this is, but oh. it's a movie. It's not the one with Cameron Diaz like that? No, I don't think it was Cameron no. Diaz. No, I'm thinking of a different one. Yeah. Anyway, um, so the Fall Guy looks like to be a, a self-reflexive action adventure journey this is all stuff that the author of this article is writing so sorry the lost city yeah the lost city because she wrote about the lost city in her book um and that's kind of it seems like that's how this is you know somebody ends up missing and then they draw somebody out to go and get the missing person and it turns into a rom-com kind of a thing uh, number five is nobody two i didn't even know that there was a nobody Let's keep on going. Rainbow nobody Six. knew there was a nobody. <laughs> Rainbow Six is what spin off of the game, which is a spin off right, of which the I think it's novel. Tom Clancy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Based on the Tom Clancy novel of the same name, without remorse, sees Jordan as John Kelly, an elite Navy SEAL, uh, who finds himself as part of a larger political conspiracy. Um, we, I think, we've seen trailers for this. Um, I don't know. I'm not really into like war movies and stuff like that, but um, I guess it depends on what the tone and nature of this. Like, right. If it's it more thriller, up. it might be worth right. seeing, but if it's just kind of a, yeah, I've seen battle like, movie or whatever. You know, a lot of movies and a lot of shows like band of brothers and stuff. And I don't know. I'm, I'm not always really into that kind of stuff. So Ghost of Tsushima is um, a movie adaptation of the 2020 Sucker Punch Productions video game. Um, set in the 18th century Japan, Jin Sakai must master the way of the ghost fighting style to defend Tsushima Island from invading Mongol forces. That's the nuts and bolts of this one. Uh, the Highlander reboot, which I think would be great. Um, again, um, we see um, Henry Cavill 
uh, involved in Is this. He everywhere? I, he seems to be everywhere. But, I mean, he's made a shit ton of money. <laughs> And is utilizing it, and he is kind of uh, like a your bro. Um, he's like a bro nerd because he can kick your ass in a bar fight, but then he can fix your computer if somebody fell on it. That's a weird combination. So, and then when everything is done, he'll boot up his computer and uh, play Warhammer 40k. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it's, he's an anomaly. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. It's like somebody experimented with genetics and out popped Superman. So he's like the nerd Superman. Um, anyway, so Christopher Lambert as Connor McLeod, the immortal Scottish swordsman on a quest to defeat his fellow immortal opponents and claim what is known as the prize, the minimal details available uh, regarding the movie's plot details. The Highlander reboots will star Henry Cavill as uh, and is yet another one of Stileski's, uh, uh, Stahelski's, sorry, projects under his belt, despite the lack of details regarding the Highlander reboot feature or future. Stahelski's already uh, proven to be the best director for the new franchise with his work on the John Wick series. So, yeah, that uh, I've always loved Highlander. Um, if they don't get this right, it will kill the franchise. So I hope they, they do it right. And then there's Ballerina. The first John Wick spinoff is slated for release on July 7th. I've uh, read about this. I've seen, uh, there's like a, uh, I thought that there was a, a trailer um, or something that was introducing Ana de Armas as the ballerina um, and the ballerina avenging her murdered family set against the gritty and unique world of its predecessors. Uh, the world building within John Wick has the potential for so many side characters, even ones we don't know about can be retconned in to expand the, the universe. Um, and I love everything about it. The only problem is the destruction of the table that was never actually fulfilled. As far as I know, um, you know, John wick just supposedly, Oh, I don't want to ruin it for anybody. You got to go watch it. Right, we don't want to know if they haven't seen the whole franchise. Yeah. So Ballerina is set to be one of the summer's biggest action-packed thrillers with Angelica Houston, Reeves, or and Reeves, um, reprising their roles from John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. The movie already seems to be taking great strides to expand the lore that Stahelski's John Wick started. So, yeah. I'll be getting this movie um, pretty much the moment it drops because... Um, I would love to see a female John Wick, right? And uh, um, there was something else that had Anadarmus um, in it where I was like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. But I can't remember the name of that movie. The Date? Uh, hold on. It was Ghosted. Oh, Ghosted. That's right did a spectacular job in ghosted so much fun to watch. Um, and you would think that she's basically John wick. So, um, with her own flavor. So, um, pretty awesome. 
So I can't wait for Ballerina to hit. Okay, let's keep on going. Um, I think we're only like halfway into this show, so let's keep trucking. Um, this is why <laughs> this is why the continuity report is a weekend show. Um, and also why it's after the hometown daily show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. So the next article is uh, in the continuity report as well. Ready Player One Metaverse announced by Ernest Klein and Futureverse. Um, the author of the twenty-one, sorry, the twenty-eleven novel, uh, Ready Player One, also uh, Ready Player Two, is out. Uh, according to an announcement from Readyverse this week, the company will look to use AI and the metaverse to create its own digital universe. Please don't tell me Meta is the metaverse synonymous, because I will hate it. I will absolutely hate it. Why? Because of Meta. Meta is Facebook. Don't. There's no bones about it. Anything that you get told from anybody within Meta, I'm just going to say don't believe it because the the it's all going to change, right? Uh, th they say that they're well, not going to do this. They're going to do it. They say they're not going to change this. They're going to change it. They're going to they say it's going to be there forever. They're going to stop supporting it. Well, and we featured a similar article in hometown daily. I don't think this is the exact same one. Gotcha. Or so, earlier this week. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So this is different because it's from coming soon.net. Anthony Nash is the author. According to the announcement from Readyverse this week via THR, which is uh, the Hollywood reporter. Um, the company will look to use AI and the metaverse to create its own digital universe. Well, you're going to have a hard time with this because you need the suits. You need full body tactile uh, response. Haptic suits. yeah. Haptic suits. Yeah. Um, so despite Ready Player One being set in a dystopian future uh, or a dystopian world, Futureverse and Readyverse Studios co-founder Shara Senderoff has much brighter hopes for their company. No, you're ushering. I mean, you've, uh, well, it depends. It really depends. If Meta is involved, then you're ushering the dystopian world. That's my opinion. I, I, I don't really care for Meta. Uh, so Readyverse Studios has been in talks with other studios for IP partnerships. In its announcement, Readyverse Studios says that it holds the rights to all of Klein's other novels as well as any future works. Jesus. <laughs> as well as any future works. Yeah, that's very interesting to me. <laughs> All right. All right. The company also said that it began having quiet conversations with other major studios and significant rights holders of our beloved or of beloved IP to try and get them involved in their metaverse, including Warner Brothers Discovery. So maybe it's their metaverse and not Meta's metaverse. Um, but metaverse... Keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, you know, metaverse should just be a descriptor for any virtual community, virtual VR, AR, um, mixed reality, etc., and not owned by somebody. If there is somebody with a trademark application out there, please cancel it. Don't allow metaverse to be something that can be defended in a courtroom because they're using it as a marketing term. This should be as agnostic and available to the world as the word water. Um, anyway, the Warner team has been super excited and supportive, and they think that Ready Player One franchise rights will be the first of many IP rights uh, deals that they do with Warner. So, um, 
Um, okay, bring on the metaverse. I would love to have a fully immersive um, universe that's high resolution enough to keep me in it. I don't, but the technology I don't think is there. I, and um, there isn't enough material there to keep me in it. And it's really kind of buggy as things drift around in a VR space. And if all it is is a screen that I'm looking at, then it's nothing more than the internet. So help evolve the internet. Make it the metaverse. Make us feel like we're in Ready Player One. Yeah. Just without all of the dystopian BS. Well, sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's keep on going. The next article is over in, guess what? Continuity uh, Report? The Continuity Report, because that's our show. Uh, the five most anticipated TV and streaming shows of January 2024. This is kind of how this plays out when we talk about those shows. Then we're going to end up watching those shows. Marvel's Echo, HBO True Detective, Night Country, The Peacock's Ted are among the shows you're most looking forward to in January. Let's see what else is available. It's over at RottenTomatoes.com. Ryan Fujitani is the author of this. Um, let's see. Number one, it's tied Echo Season 1, which I'm really not interested in watching, so I don't know how this actually became the number one. Um, True Detective Night Country, that too. Not all that interested in True Detective. Um, so Echo is a superhero. Um, introduced in Hawkeye, right? Yeah. Starring Alaka oh, okay, Cox. Yes. Titular deaf hero not only finds her squaring off against Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin, but also promises a glimpse of Charlie Cox's Daredevil, which may account for the high anticipation behind the series. So maybe the rebirth of Daredevil, um, which hasn't been played by anybody for a considerable amount of time now, like 20 plus years. Um, can't remember, what's his name? Oh, these names, these names, they slip my mind. Come and watch the show and talk with me in real time. Um, and uh which person the person from hawkeye no from daredevil the the original daredevil anyway i know who it is but i can't think of his name it's um it's the well no isn't it charlie cox or you mean the character matt murdoch no the, the original daredevil there was a previous daredevil hold on Uh, Rex Smith? No, Ben, ben Affleck. Affleck. Yeah. Back in 2003. Yeah. Yeah. He was Daredevil. Um, and Jennifer Garner was another one. Um, not Daredevil, but another superhero, I think, if I remember right. Anyway, True Detective um, is a long well it's a show that's been on hbo before and um they're just bringing it back uh ted season one um if you wanted more of seth mcfarland's vulgar teddy bear ted but less of mark Wahlberg than peacock has heard your cries 
This prequel series is set in 1990s and focuses on the budding friendship between Ted and John Bennett Wahlberg as a grown-up in the films, but played here by Max Burkholder. Um, I might be interested in this, but yeah, Mark Wahlberg. Um, Masters of the Air Season 1. Um, wow, this is Apple TV picks up where HBO left off. It's a, a miniseries of Band of Brothers kind of a thing, I guess. A companion piece to the iconic miniseries Band of Brothers and the Pacific should be thrilled about Masters of the Air. And uh, let's see, Expat Season 1. I've been told that that's pretty good. Um, we haven't seen much of the writer-director Lulu Wang since her breakout film 2019's The Farewell uh, became a surprise hit. Expats follows the interconnected lives of a number of expatriates living in Hong Kong. Uh, Griselda season one. Um, it's about a notorious Colombian drug lord. And uh, those are supposedly the five most anticipated TV and streaming shows of January 2024. Is it just me or is that a big meh? That's a very big meh. In fact, I'm kind of hoping we have a better list for your February. <laughs> ouch. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Let's keep going. Uh, the next article. Hulu debuts trailer for murder mystery series, Death and Other Details. So, uh, right out of the gate, I'll be honest. Uh, I love the trailer for this. It teased just enough um and then gave just a little bit more of a squeeze because it it literally shows you who you know did the whatever it was that they're trying to investigate so you just kind of go oh yeah they're they're the one that's responsible um but obviously not or maybe you just don't really know we won't know (laughs) Um, Hulu has released the trailer for the upcoming series Death and Other Details, which premieres on January 16th with its first two episodes. Yay. The 10-episode murder mystery stars Violet Bean, Mandy Patankin, Lauren Patton, Rahul Coley, Angela Zhu, Hugo Diego Garcia, Pardis Sarami, uh, and Linda Emmond. So... Let's look at the actual source. Jaden Thompson, Carolyn Brew, uh, Valerie Wu are the authors of this over at Variety.com. Um, and uh, Mandy Patinkin plays uh, an investigator, a police investigator of some kind. Um, but I didn't get enough from it. And I typically don't go rooting around looking for stuff unless I'm going to end up doing a deep dive. That's how it's going to work for this show. I'm not going to go rooting Did around. This- did this kind of remind you a little bit of like a knives out? Yes. Yeah. Murder on the Orient Express kind of a yes, thing. Yes, exactly. Um, it, it comes across like the usual kind of murder mystery story, right? It's something that if you were to go to like a, an escape room type of um, place, you could buy the box called right. Death and Other Details. And you could play this at home. Um, But the characters, you're going to get sucked into those characters and you're going to really enjoy listening to their accents and their personalities come to life. It's going to be a blast. 
I um, think you already get sucked in from the trailer, which yeah. is usually a good sign. Yep. Um, let's see. Uh, per the series description, sediments the glamour of the global elite. Death and other details centers on the brilliant and restless Imogene Scott Violet Bean, who uh, finds herself in the wrong place, wrong time. In brackets here, in parentheses, it says, okay, it was kind of her fault and becomes the prime suspect in a locked room murder mystery. Hey, it's the escape room murder mystery. It's exactly what I said. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the setting, a lavishly restored Mediterranean ocean liner. Oh, so it is murder on the Orient Express, except that it's in the sea. Um, suspects, every pampered guest and every exhausted crew member of the problem. To prove her innocence, she must partner with a man she despises. Rufus Coatsworth, Mandy Patinkin, the greatest, the world's greatest detective. It is murder on the Orient Express, except it's moist. It's also death on the Nile. Yeah. Come on. But it's going to be great. ABC Signature produces Death on the uh, Death and Other Details. Mike Weiss and Heidi Cole McAdams wrote and executive produced the series and also serve as showrunners. Um, there's more over here at this article, so go and check it out. I, I won't get into all of the minutiae of this. Um, I think that this is a different article or it has something to do. Maybe references it in some way, but um, it, it kind of goes it's, off the it's rails. It's because it's a roundup, so I think it gets into other entertainment-related topics. Okay. Oh, yeah, TV news roundup. Got it. But that's what we were talking about right here. Okay, last article. Uh, can't wait to watch this. I don't want to watch it in movie theaters, you know, home theater as it is. Um, Wonka wins New Year's box office battle with $29.5 million. 2023 domestic ticket sales top. Is that right? Nine billion dollars. Uh, I guess so, but that seems a little high for such a short time frame. It didn't come out until later in 2023, right? Wonka, a musical fantasy about uh, that has been the biggest hit of the holiday season, topped the box office on New Year's Eve, closing 2023 on a sweet note. The film, which stars Timothy Chalamet as a more youthful Willy Wonka before he does Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and thus moves on to Snowpiercer where all of the Oompa Loompas get eliminated because they needed to be really small in the engine of the perpetual motion. Never mind. I'm sorry. I'm starting to deviate. So the article written by Brent Lang over at variety.com. Um, yeah. So Wonka, Top the box office, twenty nine point five million for the four day holiday. That brings the domestic gross to one hundred and forty point two million, a strong result for the one hundred and twenty five million production globally. The release is hovering around four hundred million. So what the hell is that? I oh. don't know. It's okay. Sorry, the context. Duh. All of. 2023 domestic oh, ticket sales oh, top nine billion. I'm like, what the yeah, hell? That's misleading. <laughs> Why did they write it like that? Anyway, um, so this whole thing is kind of a roundup as well because they talk about Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom continuing to flail at the box office. Nobody likes Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. 
um, dragging the superhero adventure to a watery grave. Yeah, the film earned 18.3 million over the weekend and 23.5 million over a four day period. That's good enough for a second place finish. Come on. Less than legendary 81.8. I don't know. Aquaman. But it costs 200 million to produce. Yeah. Yeah. With the film's global haul standing at more than 250 million, the film, which had tangled production, cost more than 200 million to produce and tens of millions more to market. So basically, it's break even. Since movie theaters keep roughly half the ticket sales, Aquaman 2 will struggle to turn a profit. It's a brutal result considering the first Aquaman earned more than 1 billion globally. Yeah, but I think that there was some, there was a poison pill in Aquaman 2, but I won't even bother getting into it. <clears throat> Migration earned 17 million. Uh, this is amazing. Overall, the 2023 domestic box office topped $9 billion, according to Comscore. That's an improvement on the 7.4 billion in total ticket sales from 2022, though it trails pre-COVID 11.4 billion. That's, I mean, 9 billion seems like a ton of money, but it's exactly. still. Exactly, and is anybody really going to movie theaters anymore? I don't know anybody, but I mean, personally, I don't know anybody, but I do know of people that are online that say that they've gone to movie theaters and, you know, I don't know. I guess you go for the atmosphere. You don't necessarily go for the movie, but I don't want to breathe in the atmosphere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I do I want the popcorn. The I might have to buy else. a popcorn maker just so that, you know, it can be sitting there waiting for the home theater to get used. It's movie night, throw in some popcorn, but then it's, you have to work to clean it. You know, you have to get all of that oil off of the, you know, the butter from the popcorn machine. You can make great microwave popcorn. Microwave popcorn it is. Got it. Thank you, AI. Thanks for keeping me out of trouble. Okay, we're done for tonight. Everybody get back into the party bus and we drive all the way back down Main Street just so that we can stop at the Continuity Report headquarters and say goodnight to everybody. I am Mayor Watt, that is hometown.com. This is the continuity report. And up there is the sentient AI that made all of this possible by keeping me, Mayor Watt, from uh, doing things like Anti-Deficiency Act violations and other contract negotiation issues being avoided and keep me out of jail because I say something that provokes some type of a violent response from the inhabitants of hometown. I could go on, but I've already said too much based on the error messages that are being thrown at me. <laughs> so good night, everybody. Do you want to say good night? Oh, great AI. Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you next Sunday at approximately 7 p.m. Eastern following say, the hometown daily show. We say seven adjacent because we don't know how long hometown daily is going to take typically an hour to an hour and a half, but I'm trying to lock it down to an hour. Never works. I soapbox a lot. Okay. 
And if you enjoyed the music, let me know either in a message or part of the review. This is all of our epic music playing in the background. It should be really subtle, just enough to fill the void. The dead air should be entertaining, I suppose. If the show isn't, the dead air should be. <laughs> okay, see you all tomorrow for Hometown Daily and next weekend for Hometown. Well, we do the Hometown Daily every day. It's in the name. And the AI already said everything. So I'm going to shut up. See ya. Mm-hmm.